Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. Good evening and you're very welcome to this special budget edition of the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. It's getting a little bit late now on budget night, Tuesday the 9th uh, of October. I'm joined in studio by our exhausted but still standing political team. That is uh, Pat, our political editor, and Fiak, his trusty deputy. Uh, you're both welcome, chaps. You've been up in Leicester House, I take it, all day. Observing, from an early hour. Observing here. proceedings. Early hour. A very early hour. Uh, you're getting some refreshments and I have to say you, you deserve them at this stage. Um, so do we say that? What was, what, was the, what was the mood up there like today? Flat, as it has I been for the last... Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. For, it has been for the past few budgets. No great sense of fizz or excitement around the place. And I suppose it's because uh, budget has become a really predictable kind of affair, particularly under Pascal Donoghue, he's a very set way of formulating a budget and it follows a pattern. Small income tax reductions, welfare re- increases of around a fiver per payment, um, increased spending, and he's willing to increase revenue elsewhere to pay for that. Last year it was stamp duty and commercial buildings. This year it was the ab- abolition of the 9% VAT rate for hospitality, largely although there were some exemptions. So it wasn't really much fizz around the place. It was a very yeah, dull the, the budget, The budget process, the days, you know, back in and in... in, in uh, and Na- analysis piece in tomorrow's paper. I'm drawing some comparisons between Pascal Donahue and Charlie McCreevy. And people will remember there were McCreevy budgets where there was always rabbits out of a hat. There was always a load of surprises. Uh, and the sort of budgets that we have now uh, are completely different. So there was really no surprises in Pascal Donahue's lengthy speech today that hadn't already, there was no measures that hadn't already been fairly substantially well flagged and that's not just because we've been looking for them and reporting them along with other journalists over recent days it's also because the structure of the budget process is different nowadays so the government says what it's going to do it identifies early on in the year it identifies the sort of size of the budget package that it's likely to have there's an awful lot of money pre-committed so today's package so the the, the 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 increase over how much it costs to run the state this year and how much it will cost next year is is, is almost 4 billion uh, give or take and those measures were announced today but over two and a half of them were already known to us because there was stuff that was announced either earlier in the year are announced last year. And I remember so way back budget fireworks way back when we were coming out of the boom and you referred to the McCreevy thing, one of the one of the things that it was we were told by the great and good that should be done was this kind of rabbit out of a hat showbiz element should be taken out of the budget. Mm-hmm. It should be a, a more planned thing, as you say, with people people discussing the stuff in advance um, and also they just be just take this kind of madness out of it. So that's what's happened, is it? It's not just about Pascal Dunning. I think, I think that's happened to what he said. It has been uh, de-dramatised, de- uh, to, to coin a phrase. Now, there is still a lot of last minute behind closed doors wrangling, but it tends to be over smaller 
similar things. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, in recent days, you had the Independent Alliance and uh, and Pascal Donoghue wrangling over uh, the VAT on uh, the VAT on hotels and restaurants over a face-saving. Uh, adjustment to the thresholds for inheritance tax by ten, only by ten thousand uh, in the event. Those sort of smaller things mm. uh, is is what you get now, rather than so. I mean, I, I suppose it's the consternation last week when the independent alliance seemed to raise objections about the increase in the VAT rate because that was basically the spine of the budget. Was yeah, can I ask you about that? Because that's really the most significant revenue raising yeah. measure by by uh, by far. It was flagged well out. Uh, in in our own newspaper, I think it might have been August Bank Holiday weekend. What did your story feel? Exactly of yeah. Um, and then there was a certain amount of suggestion that there might be some rolling back to some extent. For example, that it might only apply to hotels mm. and not to restaurants, or it he, mightn't be revert revert back to the the full twelve and a half percent. But in the end of the day. They he went the whole hog. The, he went the whole hog. They went the yeah. whole hog because they needed the money, which is the, the most simple answer to it. The initial idea was, oh, we'll just we'll confine it to hotels and we'll put in a bit of carbon tax and we'll get to like you know the revenue-raising uh, amount that we want. Um, between what's happened over the last few weeks, that's kind of come and go, and we now just have a very, very uh, kind of wide-ranging increase in it. Everything apart from um, newspapers and sporting facilities have been increased. And obviously we're great, very grateful for very that. Very grateful here. for that. Um, but I'm entirely dispassionate yeah. about it, I think. But there, there, there was a, I'd say there was the, when they realised that there was... Um, they, they, like, bear in mind, they raised 700 million in revenue. It's a lot. When they realised they had to raise such an amount of revenue... I'd imagine the political calculation was we're going to hit one group really hard. So do we hit one group really hard and take the damage from that, if there is damage, or do we kind of spread the pain all over the place? So we go a bit here, a bit there, and a bit here. But it's an interesting approach that seems to me symptomatic of, of the Pascal Donoghue approach, yeah. which is that he spreads the gain around quite thinly, but mm-hmm. to everybody, as we said already, mm-hmm. about a, you know somewhere between five and seven euro a week for for nearly everybody in the country, but not not a huge amount. And then just hit one sector mm-hmm. and take the hit on that, or indeed allow Shane Ross to take the hit on. Yeah, it. And the curious thing about today is that, or the last few days have been that we've been talking about other revenue raising measures like the carbon tax, like increasing excise on diesel to bring it back up into line with petrol. So we're already kind of seeing where he may go next year and the year after if there is to be another pass. What about the carbon tax thing? It's the one I've seen most criticism both of Leo Varadkar and of Pascal Donoghue today and you asked him about it um, yourself, Fiat. One could argue that the government was slightly unfortunate in its timing because you had this huge report came out only yesterday which really paints a very bleak picture Mm -hmm. of what's happening with climate change and you add to that the fact that the the country's record under this government is a dismal one. It's very surprising they didn't do it to some extent because it had been so well hinted at over recent months that he publicly said it, that he wanted this to happen, the Minister of Finance said it, that he wanted it to happen and they didn't do it in the end. I think there are some ministers of applications like if you're going to increase the price of coal and, you know, heating oil. How do you recompense elderly pensioners for the hit they may have to take? So it's probably a bit more needs to be... Same will be out. true next year. Same will be true next year, but, yeah, but we're, we're looking for an all-party consensus now, but it kind of reminds me of a line of Father Ted, you know, women priests were in favour of them, carbon tax were in favour of them, it, it, but not quite yet. So, but I don't think this is the last year they can get away with not doing it. They will have to do it next year, I think. Is this just... Uh, I, think they hadn't, I think they hadn't prepared the political ground okay. this year. I think they will have done that next year. They hadn't prepared the political ground, whereas they had prepared it uh, for the VAT and the hospitality industry, in part because they did last year with that what they're doing with the, uh, with the carbon tax this year. They're signalling that next year 
this will be on the cards and I think figs right I think that's your revenue raiser if I were to be right. cynical and say this that, that a carbon tax is going to play very badly with some very important voting uh, segments of the population and with rural Ireland more than urban Ireland if you were concerned that there might be an election in the, la- in the next 12 months that might influence that decision too mightn't it yeah and look politicians don't take decisions in ignorance of their political effects or their likely electoral effects. They just, you know, they, 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 they don't do that. That's not part of their makeup. But I think you have a pretty strong indication that you're going to have a carbon tax mm. next year. No tax increases are popular. And a complicating factor, uh, as Fiek mentions, is that there would be so many mitigating factors are mitigating measures needed on the carbon tax. So, uh, you know, if if if, uh, if if people, if older people, pensioners, people in social welfare or whatever that are heating their, uh, heating their houses or buy a bag of coal every year which, uh, uh, every week, then it would be politically unacceptable to have them paying, um, uh, to have them paying much higher charges. And so that would have to be mitigated with some sort of uh, some some sort of social welfare increases, so that all of would, which is doable, isn't it? Because a carbon tax in itself it's doable, is it's not, suppo- is not yeah. supposed to is not unlike some taxes mm. is not there solely for the purpose of raising further revenue for the state. So, so, it, so in other words, you can ameliorate quite a lot of the yeah. new revenue by making sure yeah, that you, you yeah, know that, not, that vulnerable then, areas then, are then, protected. Yeah, but actually, what, it, what they were in the business of this year was revenue raising to account for or to 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 make space for. The uh, the spending increases that they were uh, that, that that were the central feature of this point. It, it wasn't like and look, they prepared the ground for it quite well, as Pat said. But look, it it still was a fairly tough call for Pascal Donoghue to make heavy, really heavy lobbying campaign against it uh, since the summer when it became. Evident it's a powerful lobby. It's a powerful lobby. Mm-hmm. But against that, there is political consensus across the house that this had to be done that the time had arrived for this rate to go back up not only the government Fianna Fáil saying look you know we realise that we have a lot of things we want in that budget and that has to be paid for so therefore this is the most likely way of doing it Sinn Féin called for it to be increased so the Labour Party so a well organised lobby group but they're not getting much political audience So would it be saying. fair to say or would this be a, a little bit too much of a pro spin to say that this is Pascal Donoghue taking the kind of decision that Brian Cowan failed to take in the latter years of the Celtic Tiger when tax incentives of one sort or another were let to bleed on much further than they were supposed to be in the first place. Well, I, yes. yeah. I suppose Pascal Donoghue's numbers are a lot tighter and he's under much greater constraints. I mean, I was actually looking back over the budgets of Brian Cowan today um, just as a point of comparison and, you know, the accusation that this is an election budget. In the last election budget of the Celtic Tiger era, which took place in uh, the end of 26, 2007 election budget, there was personal tax cuts of $1.3 billion. Now, compare that to today, where the personal tax cuts are about €250 million. Euros. So you're on a completely different scale there. And... and uh just did it kind of look that back myself in budget 2008 which was the end of 2007 the pension went up by 14 euro in one budget which is comparison to five in the last few budgets and there was further personal tax cuts of three quarters of a billion that year without an election in sight so those budgets are it's a different different I think it's too simplistic to say it's an election budget Um, what kind of now speaks myself tomorrow saying 
it's almost like an insurance budget. It's not offending anybody. It's giving everybody something different. I bumped into someone in the hall and asked her house today who wise old Finnegale hand and I said, what do you make of that? And he said, it's not, a con- it's not a budget you would go to the country on, but equally it's not a budget that would prevent you from going to the country, if that makes any sense. It's the defi- so, that's the definition of prudence. There's things in life you just can't control, like the weather, the traffic, or the fact that spilled coffee seems to love white shirts. But it's all good, because there's something you'll always be able to control, your company's finances. SAP Concur integrates all your business's expenses, travel and invoicing in one simple solution, giving you the visibility and control you need to drive your business forward. SAP Concur. It's how the best-run businesses make their expenses run better. Learn more at concur.co.uk slash control. Pat, the other side of this is um, spending, because actually this is a spending budget rather than a tax-cutting budget you were talking about, the largesse of, of, of Brian Cowan there. Um, the proportion is, what, something like 11 to 1 between the chain in, in terms of the amount of additional spending compared great, to great the amount of tax more than, more than, no, depending on how you run the numbers, but more than 12 to 1. Yeah, so the... the um, you know, the, uh, when this government was brought into being and in the programme for government and the confidence and supply agreement, it was agreed by the three parties to that that the that budgets would break down on a ratio of two to one, uh, two to one uh, spending increases against uh, tax cuts where resources allowed. But now it has moved hugely towards. Uh, Spending increases, so the ratio on the back of a, an envelope calculation is something like twelve to one in uh, in today's budget. I, I I think that is a reflection of how the kind of centre of political gravity has shifted. To be honest, I think to the left. Yes, I think uh, I think this was by any definition a social democratic budget. Uh, any budget that you know, increases investment in public services, in public infrastructure, in social services, in welfare, by that uh, by that extent or by that degree, I think can only be characterised as a social uh, as a social welfare budget, which I think would have come as a surprise, uh, certainly to the current Taoiseach who campaigned, let us not forget for the leadership of his party on the basis of uh, looking after the people who get up early in the morning. Um, but I think it is a true reflection of how public opinion has moved. I mean, I think people see, you know, significant social problems, most obviously in in housing, and they want the government to solve those. So government does what politicians do, and it throws money at them. I think the difficult bit is delivery of those solutions, be it in health or or education or, uh, or housing, rather than simply the decision to expend resources on them, and that will be where the government. I mean, if you if you give somebody a tax cut, it's money in their hands. It if, is. It is quite a shift, Fear, isn't if, it? From, if you, from, from yeah. how Leo presented himself in the leadership contest, and indeed his kind of political profile of being on the you know fiscally conservative, give people yeah, back their and money, like, end of Finnegan. You wonder, you know, will we? Will he? find himself in quite the bind when it comes to the general election because he'll obviously presenting, be presenting a Fine Gael manifesto for a Fine Gael-led government. Will that reflect more his leadership uh, election platform or will he, he probably, he will have to defend the record of his government so will he bring forward uh, policies that basically mirror what has happened in the last two budgets. Um, it is quite the distance. I think the, the, for me, the main, uh, I suppose, 
kind of manifestation or illustration of how there's such agreement across the DAW was the agreement on public sector pay over the last number of weeks and months. Not a peep of opposition from anybody within Leinster House about that. You know, traditionally you go back years ago when they were in government between 2002 and 2007, I know benchmarking was of a different magnitude, but Richard Bruton and Enda Kenny made their name in opposition by being opposed to that. Nobody is now saying, and I says, well, hang on a second. Didn't public sector pay, wasn't that one of the uh, kind of expenditure areas we let run away with ourselves in, during the boom and got us into trouble? But there's nobody saying that. It just goes to show how everybody is now on the one track, broadly speaking, politically. And they're obviously, there are very, varying shades of left, but they are, as Pat says, varying shades of left. There are no shades of right anymore in there. So where's the, where's the big spending going? Health? Uh, health, 17.2 billion overall uh, for next year. Like, it's a phenomenal sum of money. And a very stark warning from, uh, buried in the budget documentation from the Department of Public Expenditure on spiralling health costs. I think there's going to be a crisis in health funding uh, next year. I think it is, it, it won't be possible. How was it sustainable when they built, basically, the overspend for this year was covered by a one-off billion euro payment tax, which is built into the base for next year. A windfall, right? Yeah, which is built into the base for next year. But like you know, but we're not going to have unless something magnificent happens. That same corporation tax windfall next year. So that crunch will arrive as passes again next year. What do you do then when you don't have a billion spare quid to whip out of your back pocket? Which will happen. Simon Harris responded today reasonably enough, saying, "Look, it's demand led." And, you know, we can't tell people not to get sick this year to come back and get sick next year. But for officials in the Department of Public Expenditure who are looking at a failure to manage budgets, I mean, it's not just to be purely, honest. It's not just purely demand. No, 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 that's it. Look, that, yeah. that, that simplifies things. There's a couple of there's, there's drug costs, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's medical, uh, there's medical negligence. There's a whole lot of things, a whole lot of factors on it. But... Many of those things are more predictable. Like the number of people who get sick is actually on a population-wide basis is, is reasonably predictable. So uh, while Simon Harris is mounting a spirit enough defence saying we can't tell people to get sick next year, it's actually slightly dodging the issue of the lack of centralised budgetary control and budgetary sure. discipline it's in many individual areas. What's going to be interesting actually over the next few weeks is if you look at last year's budgetary process when the government allocated just 14 point, mid 14.3 or 4, somewhere around that area, billion towards the health service. And a couple of weeks later, the HC came out with their service plan and said, actually, no, that's not enough to fund what we believe the demand will be in 2018. And as it happens, the gap between what the government gave the HSC and what they were asking for was a supplementary estimate. So the HSC were broadly correct. Will the HSC come out now in a couple of weeks with under their service plan, under new management, and say, we're really fine with that. What you've given us is great. We're going to work to that. Or are they going to say, which I would imagine, given that Tony O'Brien was, you know, had been there a couple of years, had seen a few things last year, come out and said, this isn't enough. But the way the HC respond to this is going to be interesting. Yeah, well, that doesn't look, look particularly good. And then even more opaque to my eyes, uh, maybe you can shed light on it, is I mean, I don't really know what the announcements in relation to housing mean today. It's yeah, very difficult to. It's kind of funny because they bundle a lot of it together. So, you know, 1.25 billion toward going towards social housing next year, of which a lot is pre announced. Uh, if you it, it, you still have to kind of break down what's new and what's not. Even the much touted Fianna Fáil social or affordable housing scheme, 300 million over three years. Yes, 
But what is happening is that there's an existing fund called the something called the site servicing fund, which is basically used to bring sites up to a level where they can be built on paths, infrastructure, etc. There's already roughly about 90 million quid in that. It seems like another 200 million odd is going into it. So all this stuff is being packaged together and sold as new spending, when in fact a lot of it's been pre-committed. Fiach is one of the national experts on, uh, on on this particular aspect of the budget, but you should never make the mistake of assuming that uh, national accounts and national budget plans are designed to be understood <laughs> by people. It's actually, in my experience, looking at them for uh, however quite the, many quite years, the it's quite, it's quite mm. the opposite. They are uh, they're intended to make announcements mm. look good, to sound like a lot of money. But if that's the, all, if that's the case, does, does the government not leave itself open then to the, the, the danger, perhaps, of having some some element of the overall policy being picked on and used a stick to beat them with. It strikes me that looking at the kind of the the increase in uh, in write offs available to uh, to landlords um, and all over Twitter. There's people mm. going Fine Gael, the landlord's party, and other, you know. Yeah, that's, other that's minor, I know, I know it's, it's, it's minor it's, enough, though. It's, it's no, but no, but my my like ten million or something. Yeah, but my point is that in this great opaque thing, which people can't get their heads around, people will fix on something like that. Yeah, the government would be hoping that they're going to, they would fix rather on the 60 million capital for, you know, mm. social housing. But you probably are right. But I think that's not just the Fine Gael idea. I think that was an idea that Fianna Fáil would very much be in favour of as well because they've spoken about institutional landlords being the ones who are dominating the market now and the need to support landlords who have two or three properties or accidental landlords. So I think that policy is aimed specifically at those people who is envisaged, who it is said are retreating from the market now because it's Marriott too difficult for them to you know, engage with all these kind of rules, regulations, etc. But I think that's what that's aimed towards. So it's not fair to say it's just a Fine Gael policy. It's actually a Fine Gael There are a lot of people, let's say, in their 20s in this city at the moment who probably aren't full of sympathy for the plight faced no, by no, landlords no, having no. faced, you know, 100% in increases in three or four years. I, I fully accept that being a renter myself. But um, the argument being that you need more casual landlords in the system to increase the supply of rental properties there. I thought it was government policy to get the accidental landlords out of the system and to professionalise them. Mm. I know, the Fianna Fáil position last week at, quite specifically said at their, that the pre-budget launch, Michael Ma- McNamara, Michael, Michael McNamara's mm-hmm. Labour, former Labour team, Michael McGrath, mm-hmm. or, on the other hand, is the Fianna Fáil finance spokesman, said that they were concerned about the level of institutional investors now in the market and they wanted to support smaller operators. So I think that particular policy is more of a Fine Gael hue than a Fianna Fáil one. Okay, uh, well, that brings us to Fianna Fáil and uh, the Taoiseach was on the 9 o'clock news on, on RTE this evening. Um, this is what he had to say. Budget over. Time for a review of the confidence and supply agreement. I gather you had a conversation with the Fianna Fáil leader, Micheál Martin, tonight. Yeah, had a phone call uh, in the last couple of hours. Uh, so we've agreed that our two parties are going to engage now, uh, initiate advisor level and after that appointing uh, negotiating teams. Uh, Micheál talks in terms of a review of the constant supply agreement and talks around a timeline running up to Christmas. Um, I'm happy to do a review, but what I'd actually like to do is what I set out uh, back in August, which is uh, for us to agree a new programme and for the government to continue um, until the summer of 2020. And Um, rumours of an early election swirling around Leinster House this evening, I gather? Yeah, uh, there's always rumours in Leinster House, as you know, but um, I think now the two parties have agreed to engage, we should do that. We've both agreed that we will do it um, on a no-preconditions basis. Uh, but I think if we engage uh, and engage seriously, we can get this done um, by the Halloween break um, or certainly the end of the Halloween uh, recess period. And I think that should be our target. So, Pat, I gather it's you who started those rumours swirling around Leinster House about the uh, early election. 
Oh, <laughs> my source is close to Patley here. So, uh, yeah, um, I am of the view actually that there won't be an election this year. But what I think the Taoiseach... That's why you started the rumours. <laughs> but what, but what, uh, what I think the Taoiseach is doing is trying to keep open that possibility for himself. Um, and I think if you look at what Michal Martin said earlier on, which is that, you know, the finance bill is to be passed on, I think, the 11th, December 11th. 11th of December. And, you know, so we're obviously committed to supporting the government up until then. And he would hope that a review could be completed by then. And but that's not what Leo's saying. He's saying, you know, the bangers will still be going off and mm. a new deal will have been concluded. Leo is saying, Michal Martin is talking about a review of yeah. the agreement, which is actually what is in the text of the agreement, whereas Leo Varadkar is talking about an, exten- a, an agreement to extend the uh, the agreement until 2020, uh, uh, the summer of 2020. So what's really so going on here? Basically, Leo They're Varadkar, circling one another, isn't it? They're circling one another, and it's going to be a fascinating, you know, competition between both. It's basically between the two of them, their judgment, their instinct, their guile. That's what the next six to eight weeks are going to be about these two outmaneuvering each other. So what Faradkar is basically doing is if you look at the timetable, we have the European Council meeting next week. We're not expecting a Brexit deal to be agreed at that, but there may be progress that Michel Barnier can then say, okay, I believe there's sufficient progress for it to be a concluding summit in the middle of November. So that's the 14th, 15th, 14th, 16th, 15th, 15th, 16th of November. Yeah, it's not set yet, but yeah. Fine Gael Ordesh is through Saturday the 17th, if I'm not mistaken, of, of November. So Varadkar would go to an EU summit, his Ordesh, and he wants the threat to be live that if you guys aren't serious about these talks and if you are dragging... Or indeed, if the, they have failed, if they have failed, then, I will go. Gone into the sand I will then. go to the country with a Brexit deal in my back pocket in the middle of November, and the talk around Finnegan is of an election on Friday, December seventh. That's what he wants them to think. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, a week or two ago, I was in Leinster House speaking to senior Fianna Fáil frontbencher, and they were of the view that they, this person, although there are varying opinions in Fianna Fáil, that if we want to get him through another winter, which they do, they want to get him through another. Homelessness uh, crisis, you know, kind of what we saw with Apollo House, all these kind of issues that bubble up, hospital crisis, winter winter trolley crisis. They want to get him through another one of those uh, periods. They will have to tie him down quickly. Now, Bremen is the view of just one person. And or other, otherwise, he'll, so nobody, 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 knows, nobody knows what's going to happen apart from me. But the view of some of people is we have to tie him down to prevent him doing That's that run want that, he is now, that he is now threatening. He's now specifically saying if you act the maggot in those things I'm gone or he wants them to believe that he will go but did that senior Fianna Fáil person want a deal to 2020 no they wanted uh, most of them no they want to get through the current they period without through. an election yeah that's what they want they spring, want. to spring of next year is that yeah. really and then and then and then they can then they can figure it out but what they don't want is an election before we think they don't want discussing to, this on the way down they, 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 they we don't, think they, they, they don't want, don't want uh, an, uh, an election before Christmas uh, we think that uh, speaking, for, speaking for the two of us, speaking for the entire political staff, <laughs> uh, we think that they, to avoid this, Fianna Fáil wants to tie uh, Leo Varadkar into a process. I don't know whether uh, Leo Varadkar wants to try for a pre-Christmas mm. uh, general election. I think he probably can't, mm. given the uncertainty in Brexit, because even if a deal is signalled, uh, you still have the hurdle of ra- parliamentary ratification. Mm. Uh, to go through I don't think it would be possible for him to do it but even if he believes it isn't possible he would want the threat there to get Fianna Fáil to agree to a long extension so there is this 
fascinating political game. Uh, I think I think kicking off tonight, tonight uh, which will dominate uh, and dominate politics and keep us entertained. For who this. has the upper hand as ha, we embark? I'm glad, upon you asked, it. glad you asked us that. Brad because has it. I think that um, Varadkar has the strategic upper hand. He's in a stronger position. His polling numbers are very good. He's in government. Remember that. He is. The, so if things keep going on. He remains in government. Michal Martin has a tactical advantage. However, a short-term tactical advantage in that it is hard for Varadkar to go to the country. Uh, Michal Martin has the text of the agreement on his side because the text of the agreement says it runs to the end of this year. To a point, Lord There is a review. To a point. There is a review. Uh, uh, The two parties will have a review. uh, Michal Martin has has adhered to the wording of that agreement to its letter. Because he knows that it said review at the end of 2018. He himself said after the budget. So he's now out of road effectively. He's committed to review. He himself has put a timetable of the passing of the finance bill by December 11th. That's not in the agreement. The, the only thing that's in the agreement is a review. So a review is as long as Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin decided it should go on for. So Michal Martin is now into a situation where he has basically stretched the agreement to its limits. And he is now in a situation where Faradkar can justifiably say, it's said a review, these guys aren't serious, I'm gone. Now, as Pat says, I don't think the timing is very tight on that, but the threat has to be there to be live to basically scare Fianna Fáil into giving him an extra period in, in office, which most people believe is to be done. There is an idea, oh, we can just give him six, seven months to get over Brexit, but I think most sensible people say it has to be a staging post, which is probably the next budget. But then he can't agree to go into 2020 between he's bending to Varadkar's uh, wish so it's going to be fascinating how this is and meanwhile you have the very dramatic orchestral music of Brexit all happening in the background and who knows Fagner, what Fagner. happening yes, yeah, who, yeah. who knows what happening in Brussels and Westminster and yes. everywhere else and Belfast indeed for that matter yeah and, and, and I think that is the reason I think the uncertainty of Brexit and the potential fallout from whatever happens uh, I think is the reason that they're probably can't be an election before Christmas because I think it I think were Leo Varadkar to do a fix and say these guys aren't serious I'm going for an election I think he would be doing so he would be doing so on the pretext that he needs stability but he would be actually causing instability by having an election at that stage he'll be too open to Michal Martin saying to him there is no threat whatsoever to your government. I will guarantee it until the Brexit mm. process. For the sake of the country, for the national for the interest. The yeah. Yeah. And if you wish to dash to the country uh, for your own selfish political reasons, then you do that, uh, Mr. Varadkar, but that is, that is your choice. So this is the choreography, the brinkmanship, the high drama that you guys live for, isn't it? You're really looking forward not to the next Ha! Ah, welcome to politics. <laughs> not, yes. Not just us, but like... Everybody in Leinster House, like, you know, he speaks to senior people on both sides of this. They, they're kind of going, like, they are going to go, what if this happens? What if that happens? But at the back of they go, this is what politics really at its kind of, you know, most raw is all about. Basically, two people competing against each other for the upper hand. And that's what they're all, everybody is fascinated by what's going to um, kind of unfold over the next few weeks. And it appears that nobody gives a damn about poor Pascal Donoghue and his prudent budget. They're onto the, they're well, onto the red, the game red well, meat you know. of real politics. Is that it? Well, let us say this, that if Pascal had made a bags of his budget today, we'd be having a different conversation. And he clearly hasn't done that I in your view. I don't think he has. And Fiat, you agree? I don't think he has. 
very careful. It very, 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 yeah. It has achieved its objectives. Right, and that's the verdict. Listen, thanks very much for coming in at this, at this late hour on a Tuesday. Thanks very much to Pat and Fia coming in. Thanks also to Declan for manning the desk today. We'll be back pretty soon, but until the next time, thanks very much for listening.